0: Hello and welcome to the UK Wildlife Podcast with me Neil Phillips, Fixed still away But we'll be back for the next episode, so you're stuck with me, I'm afraid. I'll start with recent wildlife sightings. We had a few trips locally, but my good friend Nick was kind enough to take me to Warnham Nature Reserve, where I got my best ever views of Great White Egret. I've made a video about my trip on my UK Wildlife YouTube channel, so go check that out. I saw some bearded tits and a very tame kestrel at Rain and Marshes a couple of days ago too. And on a trip down to Benfleet, I had some fantastic views of a whimbrel and okay views of a grass snake trying to hunt some marsh frogs. So that was pretty cool. Next segment is going to be the news. And a fair warning, it's going to be a bit of a ranty one. The government has announced it's going to rip up nutrient neutrality planning rules because they claim it is preventing house building. And this is part of the new levelling up and regeneration bill. The nutrient neutrality rules, which came in as part of the EU regulations in 2017, state that in protected areas across England, any development that would add nutrients such as phosphates and nitrates to rivers as wastewater, or from the development itself, should not be approved by local councils. These nutrients can cause eutrophication, which is where you get massive algae growth and massive overgrowth of higher plants, which can be very damaging to freshwater habitats and the species that live there. And in extreme cases, the algae growth gets so much that it starts to rot and the river can turn anoxic. That leads to mass deaths of fish and other wildlife. And that's what this legislation aims to prevent happening. So, understandably, conservationists are up in arms about this recent decision. Craig Bennett, the CEO of the Wildlife Trust, said, This is the first time in over 30 years there has been a reversal in environmental legislation, and it breaks every single promise that Michael Gove made post Brexit. Why should we trust any future environmental promise the Conservatives make? Well, that's quite a political statement from the head of the Wildlife Trust. The Office for Environmental Protection who holds government and other public authorities to account on environmental law, issued this statement. The proposed changes would demonstrably reduce the level of environmental protection provided in existing environmental law. And the government has not adequately explained how, alongside such weakening of environmental law, new policy measures will ensure it still meets its objectives for water quality and protected site condition. The RSPB tweeted, Liars! Rishi Sunak, Michael Gove, Teresa Kofi, You said you wouldn't weaken environmental protections and yet that's just what you're doing. You lie and you lie and you lie again and we've had enough. Now this strong statement was applauded by lots of people but of course a bunch of Tory MPs were absolutely outraged and accused the RSPB of being too political. One has even called for the RSPB to be stripped of its charity status but three ministers they mentioned have repeatedly insisted they will not be weakening environmental protections. So what does that make them when they say they won't and then they do? There's a word. It begins with L, I think. Unfortunately, this morning, which is the 31st of August, as I'm recording, the RSVB have backed down somewhat. Their CEO has apologised for the tweet, mostly saying because it attacked specific people and not their policy. But when the government starts doing stuff that is basically declaring war on wildlife, what are these organisations meant to do? Indeed, some people are criticising the RSPB for apologising. But interestingly, they haven't deleted the original tweet. Of course, the RSVB has to be a bit careful, as there are certain newspaper columnists and certain, shall we say, countryside groups that would love for the biggest conservation group in the country to be neutered somehow so they can carry on destroying the countryside and killing birds of prey and stuff like that, which the RSVB stand up against. As if to rub salt in the wound, Michael Gove this morning was interviewed and accused of making the environment worse with this policy. He responded by claiming that it was a widespread myth that the quality of our water has deteriorated and quoted some cherry pick data on ammonia, which if anyone that knows anything about measuring water quality, the problem with measuring just a chemical is that at the time you measure it, there could be no ammonia in there or no nitrate or no phosphate. But if a week ago there was high levels, everything in the river could have been affected by it. But you can't tell, which is why you measure the animals because if you have a pollution event, it kills all the animals. And a few weeks later, those animals won't return. So you know what has happened. As he so often does, Fergal Sharkey summarised it quite well in a tweet in which he said, Not a single river in England passed the chemical test. Not one. They all fell. Every single one. The ecology test? In 2009, 25% of rivers were in good condition. In 2016, it fell down to 14%. The government's prediction by 2027 is it will have fallen to 6%. Dr Amir Khan, former guest of this show, top bloke by the way, responded to a tweet from the Countryside Alliance claiming grouse shooting brings millions to the table and boosts curlew numbers. And his response was, I'm the proudest of Yorkshiremen, but this kind of crap is exactly what we don't need in our beautiful county. Grouse shooting brings millions to the tables of a select few and does nothing for wildlife. Of course, the countryside groups did not like this. As the president of the RSPB and a fairly well-known TV personality, he's got a quarter of a million followers and he just called them out to all of them. And they went on four attacks the Game and Wildlife Conservation Trust were predictably one of the first quoting the recent paper which found breeding curlews are raising four times as many chicks on the UK's grouse moors by writing a big blog post. Then the Countryside Alliance had Tim Bonner write a blog post in which of course he attacks Chris Beckham and criticises Dr Khan and again quotes that curlew paper a bunch of more groups wrote similar articles they seem to all be copying each other's notes if you start reading them all and then they even got an article in the spectator again quoting the same curly paper and attacking dr amir khan and accusing him of bringing the RSVB into disrepute and ignoring science etc etc which was all a little bit dare i say hypocritical they kept calling out dr khan for not paying attention to the science but weirdly none of them mentioned any of the science showing problems caused by driven grouse moors. So that's the flooding, the water pollution, burning peat, and draining the bogs, which releases carbon into the atmosphere, and of course the draining of bogs also destroys habitats. They also stopped Oh, and there's that little matter of the peer reviewed science showing one third of satellite tags, golden eagles, going missing over land used for grouse shooting. Also weird was that they had all that time to attack Doctor Amir Khan, but none of them seemed to find time to cover the story, that came out at exactly that time of three of the satellite-tagged hen harriers going missing. The third story is a depressing one, but hang on guys, there's some good news coming. In recent years, the number of chickens in the River Wire catchment area in Wales and England has reached 24 million, which is a quarter of the UK's poultry production. Pollution from this, both directly and when the manure is used as fertiliser to grow crops by arable farmers in the area, has caused the river to become so polluted, at times it's turned green, and there's been a lot of outcry from local and national conservationists. A study by Lancaster University has suggested up to 70% of phosphate load in the River Wye originates from agriculture, and so the Welsh Government has stopped any more chicken farms being approved in the area. But the National Farmers Union, NFU Comrie, have claimed this is unfair, claiming that modern farming techniques are not harming the river. They said farmers are making very good use of the nutrients and demonstrating they are harnessing the science and maintaining food availability. They instead claim that the pollution is a legacy from over 50 years ago. Which is odd, because when Natural England assessed a river in 2010, on the seven methods of assessment, they found one to be favourable, and the others unfavourable but recovering. But by May 2023, it had declined so much that it was downgraded to unfavourable declining across its whole length, with a decline in salmon and crayfish numbers to accompany this. Why would something that happened 50 years ago get worse in the last decade? But enough moaning and ranting, let's get on to some good news. The white-tailed sea eagle reintroduction project on the Isle of Wight has had a major success this year as a chick has fledged from a nest at an undisclosed location in southern England. That's the first time in 240 years. That's great. A pair of European bee-eaters bred at an undisclosed site in Greater Manchester this summer for the first time and at least one pair returned to Trinningham in Norfolk which is the first time they have reappeared at the same site two years running in the UK. Sadly, no chicks fledged this year, but it's hoped they'll return next year, and this species is getting more frequent in the UK. Although I haven't seen one yet. Not here, anyway. More good news, marsh harriers have bred in North Cornwall for the first time ever, with three juveniles fledging at the Cornwall Birdwatching and Preservation Society's Wormsey Sanctuary. A bit of a heartwarming story. Tally, the Kemp Ridley sea turtle, who was found on a beach in North Wales in November 2021, and originally reported as dead, has been flown back to Texas. So the BDMLR, the British Diver Marine Life Rescue, who are an awesome group, go check them out, fantastic, big fan of their work, turned up to the report of a dead turtle, and when they got there it turned out to be alive. So it was taken to Anglesey Sea Zoo, where they've looked after it in the meantime and got her back up to health, and then plans were made to get her home. Now the usual range of this species of turtle is the Gulf of Mexico, so it somehow survived travelling up the Gulf Stream and onto a, what was probably a very cold Welsh beach. And an organisation called Turtles Fly 2 got the funding together and the R.E.F. have flown a back. The US Fish and Wildlife Service's Texas Sea Turtle Coordinator said, The cold waters in northeast Atlantic usually result in a certain death for this species of subtropical sea turtle in winter. But thanks to the quick response of a great group of international partners and volunteers, Tally is alive and ready to come home. And they also added, With the species at risk of extinction, every individual counts so that's a nice little story. And another success story, the scarce yellow sally stonefly, which was thought extinct for 22 years, has been successfully bred in captivity for the first time. It was refound in 2017 in the River Dee, having not been seen since 1995 in UK waters. Last year, Buglife Comrie and the Welsh Dee Trust teamed up with Chester Zoo and they collected 30 of these stoneflies, which they put in an artificial habitat, to study them and find out a bit about them as very little was known about this species. This year they managed to breed them successfully and rear them all the way through their life cycle. And even better news, they now have national lottery funding to continue the project and carry out more surveys for this critically endangered species. So it's not all bad news out there. On to the interview with Peter Howe, where I talked to him about Project Camtag, where he hopes to develop a camera satellite tag that can be used in the fight against raptor persecution. Now I interviewed Peter at Bird Fair on his stand, so I've had to use some pretty heavy noise reduction. So there's a slight distortion in our voices at times, and we had limited time to talk as I had another interview to go to afterwards. I'm here at Bird Fair and I'm on the Bird Eye Technology stand talking to Peter about this great new technology. So, Peter, would you like to?
1: So, Peter, how are you finding Bird Fair so far? Uh it's been a little bit damp. And, uh, very windy. <laughs> first couple of days very busy actually. All the, all has been wet. There's a lot of people around. And it's been nice today until it's just started to hailstone. So, uh, but I think enjoyable. And we've seen a lot of people, met a lot of old friends and we're getting some donations into our cause. So that's pretty helpful. Yeah, it's brilliant. Can you tell us a little bit about the project CamTag for us? I'll yes, so uh, CamTag. So how did we, let's go back to when I started about Hen Harriers and organising Hen Harrier Day in stratford upon avon in 2018. So I organized Hen Harrier Day Midlands, uh, which you can find on Facebook. And then it was during the the run-up to the Hen Harrier Day that I really started to think: why can't we get uh, more photographic evidence of who's killing birds of prey? And it was at that stage and the hen harrier time that I was then going to do a lot of research and local not local, but I went to two or three technology companies asking what we can do. And uh, we've come up with one very good technology microchip company in the U- based in the UK. And they are very hopeful that we're going to be able to take this project forward. So I set up a company called Third Eye Technology Limited. It's a not-for-profit and I'm not charging for anything I do. Everything I do is any money and donations goes straight into the pop towards the project. And to set up a company we did that because we want to be able to tap into match funding from local councils and you need business companies to be able to uh, tap into pub- public funds. So. If we can get 40% match funding, once we've reached the target, they won't give you the 40% match funding until you've actually reached the target you were trying to get, then they'll give you the 40%. So that's a difficult stage we're at at the moment. And we had to then prove that we were protecting our intellectual property. And that was when we came up with the name CamTag, obviously two words there for camera and satellite tag. So CamTag seemed an obvious name and we've now registered that as our trademark. And we then set out to raise as much money as we can. We were given, first of all, we have to do a feasibility study and the feasibility study will take six months. And this has been given to us at the cost of £12,000 from the company that we've gone to for doing the feasibility study. So that's where we're at at the moment, trying to raise as much money as we can uh, to get to that £12,000. We had a crowdfunder when we launched CamTag between the two lockdowns in 2021, and we raised 1,700 pounds from just giving page. And from then onwards, it's it's just hard graft. Being here at Bird Fair, it's been very good last year and this year, and has given us a lot of money towards our project end goal of 12,000 pounds. So we've covered raptor persecution
0: quite a lot on the podcast, especially in the news and satellite tags as well, and how the data from these satellite tags mysteriously stopping has shown a pattern that seems to be centered quite often around grouse moors. How is your new type of tag going to help with finding out who's committing
1: these crimes and hopefully prosecuting them? So at present, obviously, we have satellite tags, various different brands on the market, and some are good, some are not so good, and some are roughly around 94%, 95% accurate with their data, which is fantastic. Obviously, we only intend to Put something out there that's going to be able to be as good as some of these better tags so we feel that some of the technology might just be needing to be updated quite a bit there's more pinpoint accuracy that we can do obviously the the main aim of the tag is to incorporate a camera within the realms of what you're permitted to put on a tag At present time, 3% is allowed under license for the weight of the satellite tag. So we don't tend to go bigger than the blueprint that is already available. And certainly we won't be able to go over the 3% weight that's permissible as well. So we intend to make the product lighter for a new technology, which will then enable us to fit a little bit more extra equipment within the satellite tag to make it a camera tag, and that will then be able to take pictures of, obviously I can't tell you too much for uh, certain reasons, but it will help to take a picture of the people shooting the bird, and this will obviously help with the police towards further evidence gathering and what they've already been able to accumulate during an investigation. So. That's where we are at the moment, and we need to be able to do the feasibility study to then go on to start production of the tags. So there is also new satellites that have just been launched to add to the previous polar satellites that the Argos system used. They, when they're all operational, they'll be able to speed up the data transfer rate from the tag on the ground up to the satellite, and then back down to the data collection agencies in France. So all of this will help towards giving a better all-round case for the police to be able to put together when they're trying to build a case for a prosecution. One of the
0: biggest problems is proving who's done it. Sometimes, if a crime's actually been committed, I guess the idea here is the tag could go missing, but we've still got the data.
1: Yeah, so uh, we know that the tags are very reliable, the ones that are being used at the moment. And the tags don't just stop working. No. If they function well and then just stop, that's a good indication that the bird has been persecuted. They normally start to fail over a few days beforehand and give bad signals. So the data that's been skewed over the previous days tends to let us know that there's a failure about to happen with the tag. So you've got a few things there. You've got the previous failure of a tag that's possible from several days beforehand. You've got the tag just disappearing off the radar straight away. And then you've obviously got tags that stay in one position or in a very small area that don't move very far and they've obviously, a bird that's died of natural causes, that will tag will still function normally and it can then go and be retrieved by whichever organisation has got the data for that tag. So we just hope that we can help add to that. Thanks for that Peter. Where can people find out
0: more about this project?
1: So Third Eye Technology, as I said earlier, is the company set up for the project CamTag. Project Hamtag has social media outlets such as Twitter, and you can find us on Twitter at Raptor3ET, that's number three, E-T. And on Facebook, just look up Project Pantag. We do have a website, uh, which is Raptor3, 3, number three again, raptor3et.com. And on there, you can find details how to donate to our cause. We need to get up to our £12,000, as I mentioned. And we can, you can find the details on there for our bank account details that you could donate. If you, if you let us know, because we probably wouldn't know who you were donating, we'd like to say thanks to you. So if you emailed us, say you've donated something and uh, we can let you know that we have received your money okay. And that we can um, say thank you very much for your donation. Excellent. Thanks you very much. Bye. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks very much, Neil.
0: Certainly seems like an interesting project and I wish Peter every success. And there are links to his website in the podcast notes. But that's it from me. Vic should be back next time. So we'll see you then. And bye for now. Thank you for listening to the UK Wildlife Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do subscribe and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or whichever
1: podcast service you use.
0: You can follow us on Twitter at UK Wildlife Pod, or one word.
1: Or on Instagram at UK Wildlife Podcast.
0: And like us on our Facebook page, UK Wildlife Podcast. And you can also post to the UK Wildlife Podcast community group. If you would like to share your wildlife news or sightings with us on Instagram or Twitter, then please tag us in the post and use the hashtag UKWildlifePodcast. And you can now support us through our Buy Me a Coffee account, which you can find at buymeacoffee.com forward slash UKWildlifePod, where you can give us a one-off bit of support or join our membership scheme. Head there to find out more. This episode was edited by Neil Phillips. The music is by Oscar Henderson. You can find him on Instagram at oscar.creates.